What's up, guys? I'm EJ. I'm joined by Kendall, and you guys can see we got three very special guests on this podcast. Uh, we're going to be introducing you guys to some, some some basketball podcasters that we've been checking out over the past month. And what's really excited about this uh, this episode, Kendall, is we're not just finding podcasters here in the states or here. In, you know, we're obviously we're both from New York City, the you know Philadelphia area, um, but we're going not just beyond this country, but you know across the pond to to, to England. To, to find uh, some, some guys to talk hoops with us. You know, uh, we've been doing a lot of content recently that's been uh, focused a lot on heroes. If you're on our uh, YouTube channel or if you've been listening to our podcast, sports talk's been a lot of football because of the playoffs. But this is going to be an all-ball pod. And we got the, the, the best guys to, to talk ball with us this week. So we got the uh, Met the Criteria podcast. And um, I want to introduce you guys to everybody. So first, I'll start with uh, Jared. Jared, thank you so much for coming on. Um, uh just I'm really excited to have this conversation. No, no, appreciate you making the time, having us on, guys. We're looking forward to this. It's going to be fun. I've been keeping up with your guys' work as well. We love what you do. So, yeah, thanks for thanks for inviting us on. That's what's up. We got Vincent uh, over here as well. Um, we were talking about uh, hair. Uh, right before we, we recorded this pod, I told him how my hair is all crazy. He's got the do-rag. Uh, I wish I had low enough hair so I could put it in the do-rag, but this is all I got. But uh, appreciate you coming on, man. No, I appreciate you having us. You and your brothers do some great work, so it's an, it's a privilege to be joining you guys today. That's what's up. And Theo Theo also joins us on, on the pod. Gio, Theo, thanks so much for uh, coming on, dude. Honestly, it's a pleasure. This is our first it's our first guest pod, but it's also obviously our first international pod. So it's just good to like cross the waters and, and speak to some some genuine like local hoops fans who who aren't sort of haven't just got into the game because they played two K. We've actually sort of been to the arenas and, and got stuck in. So thanks very much for, for having us on. That's what's up. And I actually was going to start uh, with that. Um, what is, you know, me, you know, obviously I'm wearing Knicks gear. I'm a Knicks fan. I grew up in New York City uh, in Queens. My dad's a Knicks fan. So that's where I, my Knicks fandom came. Kendall, as you see, Celtic fan. His fandom kind of started uh, by just one, his favorite color was green. And two, his favorite player growing up was Paul Pierce. So, uh, so that's truth. what... Yeah, exactly. So that that's how that was our inter inter uh, introductions to the game, you know, through whether it be our parents or the regional aspect or for Kendall jumping to certain athletes. For you guys being across the pond, like what was your introduction to the NBA? How did you guys become such big fans? I'll jump in first. Um, my my cousin uh, has been a massive basketball fan all his life. Uh, used to play for a, a local team. Um, I was never that big of a fan when I was younger. I was always sort of into football, like most people here in the UK. Uh, but it's about coming up about five years ago, in it, Theo, uh, we went we went on a on a holiday um, to New York, and we we wanted to go and just get the full New York City experience, go to all the the major sports that we could. Um, so we went to a basketball game, and I just I just loved it. I was absolutely hooked. The the highlight plays, the atmosphere. Um, just everything about it I loved and from then onwards really just got more and more into it each season um, and then now here we are six months into doing a podcast covering it every week so yeah it's been a journey but yeah um, that, that was really our introduction for me especially uh, being there live uh, at, a, at a New York City game. When Jared says football by the way he means soccer. Yeah <laughs> sorry yeah true true true. Yeah, and the, the, thank you for any uh, UK uh, UK fans who may be checking out this pod also, you know, who understood what he was saying. And for, thank you, for Vincent, for uh, clearing it up for our American uh, viewers. What about you, Vincent? 
so I got into it, uh, I think about two and a half years ago. Like, I've always known basketball, but never really followed it. But about two and a half years ago, I just started watching this guy called The Beard. Like, all of a sudden, there's this guy who just got a beard and he's just balling constantly. And I was like, what team does he support? What team does he play for? Then I found that I was in Houston Rockets and I never really looked back. I just started trying to watch. I got myself NBA League Pass, started watching as much games as possible. Then after watching just the Rockets, I just started watching some classic games like watching Kobe in his finest, watching some classic games of like, um, it's called finals, uh, 2017 finals, 2015 finals. It's like watching old games really, kind of appreciating greatness. So it was just literally... It was just literally, that's how I got into it. And I've got to a point now that I just love basketball. It's probably my favorite, second favorite sport right now. I will always have the, a passion for soccer first. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in England, obviously, soccer is a massive thing for us over here. I, I'm saying soccer like I'm American. Uh, <laughs> I should stop saying that. It's soccer. But yeah, basically, we, just, we got into that. And we just, yeah, that's how I've got into it, really. I was the whole time you were talking then, Vincent. As soon as you said the beard, I was like, "Oh, Elijah got you into." But nah, well done. Now you're in a pod together, and I just, I just twigged you didn't. You meant the other beard. Kendall, Kendall's there thinking, "Hey, wait a minute, what's going on over here?" Like, <laughs> I've got something here. There you go. <laughs> what, about, what about you, Jared? I'm oh, sorry, uh, Theo, I'm here. Yeah, so similar-ish to, to Jared, really. Like, I, I liked basketball as a kid. Space Jam was always my favourite film. I had a hoop in my back garden. As I sort of got a little bit older, football, soccer took over. Football, such a thing here in the UK. And and the NBA is so sort of, like, marginalised. It's not, it's almost non-existent, particularly sort of, like, 20 years ago. So, eventually, I got a cheap copy of, of NBA 2K. It was on sale got into that a little bit enjoyed playing that and then Jared mentioned we went on holiday to to New York we stayed in stayed in Brooklyn um we went on like an arena tour of Madison Square Garden it's an iconic stadium we wanted to get tickets to go and see the Knicks obviously being slightly um I'm speaking to a Knicks fan now so I need to be careful what I say yeah being (laughs) unaware of the the next recent um i won't use the word misery but the 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 standard of of basketball that the team was playing sort of around 2015-16 not 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 his finest we were just we just wanted to go for the atmosphere and get involved and get stuck in anyway nick's tickets were like 80 dollars and we're like "Mm, i don't really want to pay that it was it was 20 dollars to go and see the brooklyn nets play the day after um so it was a bit of a no-brainer for us really so we went to went to barclay center Jared said we had, we loved it. We had a great time. Um, I sort of like carried that on. I've been a been a Nets fan ever since. Um, so the the season, the game we went to, it was it was the last game of the season against the Toronto Raptors. I think we just won. It was a, it was a twentieth. It was a twenty win season for the Nets, and the season after we won twenty one. So it, it, being used to following not a very good football team here in England, I was used to following not good sports teams. Um, so it was it was just a natural progression really that I picked the Nets when they were performing really as badly as they were. And it's sort of, it's paying off for me now, at least. It's paying off. I know uh, for a lot of New Yorkers who are familiar with uh, Knicks tickets, I think you you had a bargain at $80. I'm curious where you <laughs> found those $80 tickets because Nick tickets, even in the most bleacher, you know, nosebleed seats sometimes can go for 100 150 So uh, so you so you even got, even despite that you passed on those tickets, you actually had a pretty <laughs> decent deal, it seems like. But um, if I'd, if I'd 
if I'd known that, I probably would have done it. But, <laughs> but you wouldn't be a Nets fan. Things could have been exactly, exactly. So yeah, and, and you wouldn't be enjoying uh, uh, the the new big three that they have over there. You'd be uh, you know um, you know lamenting over the development of Emmanuel quickly and uh, and Obi Toppin, which is what we are over here doing with the Knicks. Career career high, wasn't it last night? Thirty one oh, points. Yes, like he did. Yeah, Emmanuel quickly certainly uh, is certainly playing good, and we'll talk a lot about some of these uh, rookies a little bit later in the pod. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about you guys' upbringing and, and, and you guys' podcast as well. Um, I want to make sure you guys uh, make sure you follow these guys. Uh, they're on Twitter, uh, at the Criteria, right? I believe that's the Twitter account. Um, yeah. And then, um, of course, make sure you follow. Get, uh, make sure you find the podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, I saw you guys on Anchor FM. You guys are pretty much everywhere. It seemed like everywhere, man. We're yeah, everywhere. everywhere. We're everywhere. You yeah. can't get away from us. Can't yeah, no. New generation podcast network. Yeah, now, <laughs> now they're on a whole different podcast network. So, um, so make sure you guys uh, check out their podcast. They really do a uh, good stuff, and I think you'll get a good preview of some of the stuff that uh that they like to do on their pod on this yeah, pod. I, I thought it was interesting that you know both you guys, um, Theo and Vincent, are Rockets and Nets fans, and I'm sure that's been a uh, topic of conversation for you guys. On your own podcast, um, believe me, when I say to you, Kendall, how it's been a difficult past couple of months dealing <laughs> with Theo, uh, yeah. the the grief that I've been getting and also giving, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a love hate relationship right now between me and Theo, uh, so it's quite difficult at the moment. It's so, it's tough as well because we we have like a, the pod itself, it's it, we, we cover the whole league, but it's right. very tempting for us being fans of teams that were for the last couple of weeks have been like at the forefront of the, the the headlines. It's difficult not for me. I mean, I always get slated off these guys for being biased and always talking about the Nets. I mean, I, I do my best to be. Because you are. I think you'll find I'm probably the least biased of all three of us, Vincent. You know that to be true. Um, but yeah, it's really difficult not to just get suckered into just talking about two teams and, and trying to be a little bit more balanced and make sure we take take the whole league into consideration for me, especially when, when things are going as well, potentially as they could do for the nets coming up. Definitely. So we're, we're now reaching about a week, week and a half since that, since that deal. Um, what do you, what do you guys, what have you guys seen from both the nets and rockets perspective? Uh, obviously Victor Oladipo has had a couple of big games uh, early in his, his time in Houston uh, and the nets have been up and down. Uh, obviously, they had that sweep uh, against uh, against Cleveland, where they lost both games. Um, but they also, had, you know, had a nice performance against Miami. What do you guys? What have you guys seen from both sides of that Rockets net trade? Me personally, I think with the James Harden situation, look, I was kind of kind of content with him leaving. It got to a point where first parts, first couple of early weeks when he wanted to leave, I was all like, "No, please, you can't do this to me. You're the guy that made me love this team." But then it became to a point where if someone wants to leave a franchise team, you know, end of the day, you can't be forcing someone to want to stay. They're not going to be happy. They're not going to be fully there. And to turn down, what was it they turned down? 100 mil? What was it? How much did they turn down? Yes. 100 mil. Truly, <laughs> if someone's willing to turn down a 105 mil extension, that really shows you that they don't care about the money. They want out. So to have that in the locker room is not really a nice thing to have. So it got to a point where you kind of realised, look, he's got a goal. He's got, he's has to move on. So it got to a point where I was content about that. And but what was disappointing for me to see is what we got back. Now I know a lot of people might look and go, look, you guys got so much picks. There's a number of amount of picks. 
But for me personally, it kind of made us now a rebuild team. Like we are now potentially a team that could be next couple of years maybe struggling to even get to the playoffs. Like this year, my honest opinion, my heart says we'll make it, but in my head, I know we won't make the playoffs. So it's about me kind of being content and like realising, look, for the next couple of years, it's going to be a rebuild. So I know... A couple of years, know, really. A couple of years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? It's going to be a period like that. Where it's gonna, it might be for a while. So I know what you're thinking, Kendall. Like you got you, you got Vic who's playing a couple of decent games. you got you got... Boogie, yeah, you got Boogie who came back. He was doing some decent game. He had a decent game. I think he dropped twenty eight points. Christian Wood, Christian Wood. I know you may be seeing that, but I still think it might not be there fully to get us to the playoffs. Please, I want to be proven wrong, but I feel like there's more teams stronger than us out that right now in the in the West at the moment. So it's just about kind of seeing: is this going to be a rebuild or? Because if to get rid of to lose James Harden is a massive loss, but at the moment, disappointed with the front office. In all honesty, me personally, would you have preferred that they go after they go harder after Ben Simmons? Yes, like that was that was one pick. If you ask these two, I was adamant about it. Jared was like saying to me, "Mate, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen." Yes, it was going to be a very very difficult trade, but if you're getting rid of James Harden. Like, we want something big in return. We want something... Listen, Theo, I don't need your little laughs right now, Theo. Stop <laughs> acting all funny. But I think, end of the day, we wanted something big. So I feel like our front office should have pushed it. But Jared said continuously to me, like, it's not going to happen. And it's like, yes, it's not going to happen because they don't want to get rid of Ben Simmons. But that's what I would have wanted. I would have loved for the Rockets to have got Ben Simmons. It was the only replacement that would have kept me happy. Would have kept, I think, the entire franchise happy and the fans happy. Now, on the Nets side, um, how how as a Nets fan have you felt, uh, Theo, on on the early returns um, of the big three, Kyrie, Durant, and and Harden, and uh, the reports coming out today that the Nets might be interested in Kevin Love? Uh, What do you think about that as well? So I've sort of done like a full. 360 on on James Harden. Obviously, when the Nets, yeah, yeah, like 720 really. Like when the when the Nets were first rumored to be interested in in swinging for the fences and getting Harden, I was dead excited. I loved it, fully on board. Thinking, imagine that would be unstoppable. Two of the probably two potential top five scorers in the league, Kyrie Irving, who fringe top ten in the league himself. So I thought, yeah, it'd be fantastic. And then. The season sort of started and we had those great results early on against the um, Golden State and the Celtics. I thought, oh, no, we've got all this depth. We've got Karis LeVert and Jarrett Allen, these superb players coming off the bench. So I was like, we don't need James Harden. We can, we can win it without him. And then the season sort of took a, a little bit of a, a turn and we were struggling for form and consistency. And then the Harden sort of thing re-emerged a little bit. And then I was torn. I didn't really know what I wanted. Um <laughs> We had all this depth, but at the same time, the opportunities yeah. there to, ha- to to pick up a top five, top six player in the league, you've, you've got to do it, haven't you? Like, you've, you've got to go for it. Um, so then yeah. when the deal happened, I was sort of like a little bit, a little bit numb. Obviously, Nets fans, we sort of, we, we love both those guys. Jarrett Allen and Caris LeVert were huge, huge figures in the Nets 
process. They were really instrumental to us getting in a position where we could land Kyrie and KD in the first place. And to see those guys go was a little bit bittersweet. But having James Harden on the Nets now, I think I'm, I'm fully excited. I'm, once once he was in and he was doing his first press conferences and Kyrie Irving came back from his his absence with the team and he's reportedly fully bought in and happy to be back and, and practicing again and stuff. That, now that concerns out of the way, I think I'm fully, fully invested, fully on board with the there, the big three. EJ Kendall. You... So I was gonna say real quickly, I think he proper shortened that story, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> because I'm telling you, Jared can testify for this as well. This is a guy who would text the WhatsApp group chat. We're in a little WhatsApp group chat with a couple of us, our friends. He'd be like, it's happening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, tonight, we'll be waking up in the morning with James Harden as a Nets fan. This was a couple of weeks ago. And all of a sudden, nah, I don't want James Harden. I don't want James Harden. I don't want James Harden. Then, oh, I can't wait for James Harden. I can't wait for James Harden. This guy just, was complete bipolar about it. Honestly, I just think it's going to be fascinating if any if anyone uh, tuning in New Generation Media who goes back and listens to some of our pods, you'll be able to hear Theo's journey throughout this whole thing. Every time we talked about the Harding trade, he had a different opinion on it. So, yeah, Vinny's absolutely right. That was a shortened story. So to I, I, I know, the, I know the, the plight, Theo, because as a Celtics fan, you know, when I was introduced to the Celtics, they were not a good team. And there was... There was a part of me that was that when we made the trade for Ray Allen and the trade for Kevin Garnett at the time, that was like, ah, you know, I kind of want the young guys to, to build it. How do you feel about moving on from Levert, moving on from Allen? Uh, obviously, D'Angelo Russell is not there anymore. And, you know, they've even been talked about maybe they'll move on from Dinwiddie. Uh, do you feel a little weird about now rooting for a team that has three superstars? Yeah, I think. Because, obviously, I joined the franchise at probably the, the lowest period in the last sort of decade. Since the move to Brooklyn, probably the worst couple of seasons consecutively. I, I picked the worst time to join. But then seeing players like D'Angelo Russell and Karis Levert sort of emerging and that whole bench mob that they had going on with um, my personal favourite all-time player, Jared Dudley, <laughs> and like, even Theo, Theo Pinson having so much energy on the bench and the, the, you see like the gifts of it now of them dancing and celebrating after yeah. the, the, the good players and stuff. And that was really what endeared this team to me. Like, because it was so much fun. That that season of the 18-19 season um, was probably one of the most enjoyable sports years I've had in following a sports team probably ever because it was just so, so much fun. So to completely sort of move away from that culture that they've built of, that sort of Brooklyn grit and playing hard and the the guys being such a, a cohesive team and a unit on the bench to dis, not necessarily disregard that, but to move more towards the, the superstar driven team that we've now become. It is a little bit, it's a little bit, not necessarily disappointing. I wouldn't say disappointing, but it, it does definitely take adjusting to get used to the idea of, of it being a whole different culture there now. But ultimately, if it results in uh, the, us being Eastern Conference champions or a, a getting yeah. a, a championship ring out of it, it's a totally different story. Obviously, it's, it's worthwhile. And yeah, I, you I, get over it. Exactly. You get over it and, pretty quickly. Exactly. And I'm happy to give up the future. I mean, we gave up so much to get Harden with regards to future future picks. And if we, if we win a ring or two with Harden and KD and Kyrie and then spend the next six years winning 20 games a season, was it worth it? Probably, yeah. 
Look, as as someone who's uh who's endured you know fifty and sixty lost seasons, you know, seems like forever with zero payoff. <laughs> um, trust me, you, I'm pretty sure you you'll be uh you'll be good with it. One last thing before I go to uh before I go to Jared, I want to ask you one last thing, Theo. You know, I'm sure you've seen it on social media with uh the obvious saltiness between Knicks fans and Nets fans. Um, I feel like for me as a Knicks fan, it feels more personal and visceral. Because I live in New York City, and of course I, of course I live in the United States. How has that been for you as a new fan, seeing kind of this like ongoing like back and forth on social media with like Knicks fans keep trying to uh, minimize the Nets' relevancy in the city? While he Nets joins fans, in. Well, Nets he fans. Answer the question. He joins in. He, he's one of them. He joins in. Because <laughs> Nets yeah, fans, they, they 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 love to like talk about how you know it's the Knicks who are actually irrelevant, and that you know the Nets are taking over the city, like. Uh, what is that perspective coming from the UK? So in football culture, in soccer culture over here, rivalry is like a, a big, particularly um, a local rivalry. So between the fact that New York and, and Brooklyn are on each other's doorstep, the same same city, if it, was, if it was a UK football rivalry, it'd probably be one of the best ones in the league. So they coming from that sort of culture transferring that to basketball i fully do get involved in the in the pelters between the nets and the, and the knicks i do love it um and obviously it doesn't necessarily mean as much to me i'm not as invested as you are like you say you, you live in new york you have to you you'll have first-hand experience of how few people there are walking around in nets gear apparently if you listen to what <laughs> nick's twitter has to say but yeah no i'm fully get involved and i do i do love because I just think it adds that that edge to it. Particularly, this season has probably been more competitive, with the Knicks being more competitive than anybody expected them to be. Really, that first first game the other week, which didn't wasn't quite as close as everybody expected to be, but going into that game, it was really exciting because the Knicks were, um, sorry, the Knicks were on the up and the Nets were having a bit of a, a torrid time of it just after the Harden trade was announced and we were without so many key pieces we thought oh this could be a really really competitive game and I was getting into my mind I'm gonna have to all these Knicks fans coming for me um (laughs) after we after we lose to the Knicks after me giving it Billy Big on the podcast for the last however long obviously didn't quite go that way but yeah no I'm fully involved in the rivalry and I'm here for all of the smoke yeah, Let me tell you uh, something what he does as well, EJ. Let me yeah. tell you real quickly. He, he was in a it was in a, a contest a couple of weeks ago by organized by NBA UK fans. Mm-hmm. They're a great follow, by the way. Basically, what they, he was he when he was doing his questions to pass, they wouldn't say pass. They would say New York Knicks. <laughs> that's that's what he would say. He'd say Knicks. That that's the level of disrespect this guy gives gives to the New York Knicks. He wouldn't say pass. He would say Knicks. As he's to, to continue on for the next one, so just just let you know, this guy is a hater. He's a he's a New well, York. I'm petty. I'm petty. Yeah. He's a well, New well, look. I mean, as as a New Yorker, I could say that. I mean, the wanting all the smoke and the trash talk. I mean, that's what is being a New York fan. So I can't even really be that mad about it because it almost feel weird if you were like, oh no, nah, it's okay. Like, and that you know, Knicks are fine. Like, like I think that it's great that like you've been able to embrace that. Uh, rivalry, you know, on uh, on uh, even from uh, over in the UK. Um, what and I will say one last thing about that that game against the Knicks and the Nets is you guys had the ultimate silver bullet, which is Kevin Durant. <laughs> um, despite all the all the problems the Nets may have been having in that on that day in that week with Kyrie and not having everybody there because you just traded for Harden, you had Kevin Durant playing the way he played. Uh, it's you know that's kind of ends up being your 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 kind of end all be all in that kind of game. 
But uh, I do want to get Jared in here for a second because I do want to shift focus to um, the team, one of the teams that the Nets are uh, definitely considered to be kind of in contention with for that top spot in the East once it's all said and done. Said and done, that's the Milwaukee Bucks, and they had a very high profile game with the Bucks before Kyrie came back, where uh, they kind of implored a very I don't want to say a unique defense anymore because we're starting to see teams kind of play this style against Giannis where they're just backing them off, walling off and just saying, we're daring you, you know, 15 feet plus, you know, full space. You know, you got to make these shots. And we've seen him kind of be hit or miss. They lost a close game to the uh, Nets, obviously. They lost a close game to the Lakers. And I think there are now questions circling about Giannis's ability to close. And that's going to be obviously vital when it comes to playing in the postseason. And we've seen him struggle in, in the last two times he's been there against the Heat and against the Raptors. Do you trust in Giannis and the Bucks' ability to close against good teams in the playoffs? Because that seems to be really their really their only thing stopping them from getting to a title. Uh, in short, no. Um, obviously, you want a little bit more than that. Uh, it was it was a big week for the Bucks. You never want to read too much into regular season games. It's, it, it all matters in the playoffs, as we say. Um, but it's it's just interesting to see how many teams, how many of the sort of stellar teams in the league are sort of copying the the what the Heat did in the playoffs last year, building that wall, as you say, daring Giannis to to not have just hit layups, just hit dunks, just hit you know floaters in and around the paint. Um, I think the limitations that he's got in his game could be ultimately what costs them, um, and a lot of pressure really is being put on Chris Middleton in the end of game situations. Yanis sort of plays the first sort of 40, 45 minutes as the main guy. And then in the last last five minutes of the game or so, the ball's in Chris Middleton's hands and Yanis barely sees it. So I think ultimately that we could very easily see a similar situation in the playoffs for the Bucks, um, because the Nets played in very, very well the other day. Um, and if your MVP all-star caliber player isn't performing at his highest level, it's going to be difficult to beat anyone in the playoffs. And one of the things that I, you know, if you listen to our podcast, and I've been on this campaign for two years, and Kendall knows exactly where I'm going here, is I feel like, you know, is there some concern with the, the, their offensive system? I think there is, considering, you know, the way Budenholder coaches, and it's very spaced, and it's really, a lot of it is predicated on uh, Giannis's ability to kind of draw on the defense and then kick out to guys that, you know, are going to be able to hit shots. And what I've long called for is for the Bucks to bring in a floor general. Um, to me, I for two years in a row, I, I was begging them to trade for Chris Paul. Because to me, even though they have Drew Holiday this year, and he's a great player, mm-hmm. they still lack, to me, the, the floor general who can get other guys easy shots when the game is dip and tuck, when the game is super tight. Like, like you know, it was painfully obvious when they had Eric Bledsoe and George Hill running the point. And really, it became Giannis from the point in those situations. But mm-hmm. when you see these good teams play, whether you know the Lakers being the team that comes to mind, like I don't know how many times you see LeBron have the ability to not only get himself an easy shot, but get AD an easy shot, whether it be a layup or a dunk or a wide open three in these lo- close games. The Bucks have never really seemed to be invested in getting that kind of player. I don't know if any of you guys want to jump in. Do you see that the same way? Do you feel like they're missing that kind of floor general, or do you think it is more? Uh, perhaps an issue with Giannis or the coaching? I personally think, I personally think with the, with, with the box, they have, don't really, I said it last year, like on the playoffs, but they don't really have like a plan B. 
they just only rely on Yanis and they think that will win them the game. They believe we've got such a uh, uh, an offensive powerhouse, someone who's so incredibly dominant. We don't need anything else. And they've not, they've need to, they start need to read. A lot of teams are now catching on in how to defend against Yanis. And I think that's something they really do. You are right. They do need someone like a general. Drew Holiday is in that. Drew Holiday is an incredible defender. He's probably the best point guard, the best defender point guard in the league. So in that regard, and we thought maybe that could help Yanis become more of a better defender, but he doesn't need to be a better defender. He's already a great defender. But they don't have that floor general. They don't, and and it is clearly obvious. And a lot of teams are now catching on with the box. But they, in my opinion, they don't have a plan B. They just rely on Yanis and they think, look, Yanis, go out, do what you do, dunk on every single person, and just see without if that will work. Because that is literally it. Yanis just dunks. Obviously, some people might say, look, Yanis can't take a three. He's improving on it. Look, ah. I keep getting slated on about it. I keep saying Yanis can shoot a three. People are like, he can't shoot a three. He can shoot a three. It might just take not enough of it. But yeah, they just have a plan A and they don't have a plan B and they really need to work at that because people are going to catch on. And they might not get that top space this year. They might not get that top seed we all think they normally get in the East. It could potentially be the 76ers or the Nets. So we'll see what happens with them. They could get that. <laughs> Kevin Post putting up the uh, Boston Celtics uh, hat. Think that's oh, all, yeah. Which, which, yeah. Thing, yeah. which, which will think it all there. You've got, you, you got to remember. Tatum's back tonight as well. Tatum's Jason, back. Tatum, you got to yeah. remember the problem, okay? And just, just for any of our new generation listeners who, who aren't familiar with Vincent, um, the Boston Celtics are actually his second team. So oh, as far okay. as as far I, as his I, I was concerned but, because you said Drew Holiday was the best guard defender. And I'm thinking, I'm like, at point guard, I'm like, what about Marcus Smart? Mm-hmm. So I thought he had a grudge I'm sorry, Marcus Smart is a very good defender. You can't deny that. He, he's probably one of the best. But Drew Holiday is no joke. Drew Holiday, for me personally, is the the best guard in the best defensive guard in the league, without a doubt. For me personally, I think he's so underrated. And what I normally take opinion of is players. And when players say, "Who's the best guard to defend? Who is the best defending yeah. guard?" Every last one of them, majority of them, will say Drew Holiday. Majority yeah. would say Drew Holiday, all of them. So that, to me, people play against him. It really shows you who is the best guard. But Marcus Smart's no joke himself. He is the real deal as well. So one of the things we talk about on this on this uh, podcast a lot uh, is the NBA draft. And this year we've seen what we thought was going to be a weaker draft, a weaker pool of rookies. There have been a lot of interesting performances from some of these guys. So... Uh, who have been some of the guys that you guys have been impressed by in this rookie class? I'm not sure how much college basketball you guys were able to watch over in the UK, uh, but you know, as seeing there, you know, what kind of impressions have you gotten from some of these guys uh, uh, so far in their rookie year? I think it's, it's been a bit of a funny one, like you said. No, there weren't enormous expectations coming into to this. Well, on this draft class, really, because arguably one of the weaker drafts of, of recent years, particularly when you compare it to, to next year's draft class, which is reported to be very strong. I mean, yeah. we we don't have much of a an insight into college hoops over here. We just sort of read the reports and try and exact Vin, big fat zero from Vincent. We just try and try and keep up best we can. And yeah. might, maybe you might know the the top top five prospect, maybe top ten at a push. But I think what's been evident so far this season is how good the 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 rookies have been even the the players who haven't gone um 
top three, top five. The 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 while there's not necessarily been the, a standout star from the draft class, the consistency from sort of one through fifteen, one through twenty has been really, really solid. I think. Um, I was expecting big things out of Obi Toppin. Um, I think he was probably the most, or one of the most, like NBA ready bodies in the in the draft yeah. class. Obviously, for him to struggle as much as he has, sort of like with injury, and he's been sort of eased back in very slowly, um, doesn't help him sort of sharing the minutes with Julius Randle when he's going to be playing all 48 of them if, if Tibbs has got anything to say about it. But um, yeah, Obi Toppin, I'm sure he'll, he'll probably have a great year, but Emmanuel Quickly, probably for me, has been the most surprising standout between. I'm not, I'm not going to. I think I know who Jared's going to say. I'm not going to. Not going to steal steal Jazzy's, but quickly for me, he's got to got to uh, got to get up the praise just because he's been so consistent straight away. He's not really had much uh, much of an adjustment period, performing really well. So if the Knicks carry on performing well, he could could easily be in contention for uh, for Rook of the Year so far. I think. Jared, what about you? Uh, I'm not going to say who Theo thinks I'm going to say. Uh, as a Bulls fan, I think he thinks I'm going to go. For- Project Pat, Patrick Williams. Project um, Pat. That's yeah. what he called the hero new generation as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's been solid. He, he doesn't do a lot wrong. Uh, but, no, I think my, my sort of standout so far has probably been Halliburton. Halliburton. Okay. Yeah, very good. He does he does, he knows you. me better I know than you. I thought. I know you. <laughs> yeah. Now, Tyrese Halliburton just... I mean, I think he lead, I think he's leading all rookies in fourth quarter scoring. Um, he's had some real, real impressive clutch performances, not just against the Bulls, um, where he torched us. Uh, he's had he's had a couple of performances through the season where he's he's just proved himself to be so so NBA ready, so uh, ready for the big moment, as it were, um, playing in a team that. It isn't going too too well for Sacramento at the moment, um, but he was he obviously he was touted as a sort of higher level prospect. Ended up sliding down, and it looks like the Kings have managed to pick up someone who they can put alongside De'Aaron Fox and have sort of a backcourt that could be really really solid for the next couple of years. So yeah, I've been impressed with Halliburton, um, and obviously we we all see Lamelo all of, every single one of the Lamelo Ball's highlights. Who he's a fun player to watch. Uh, but yeah, I think at the moment I'm I'm leaning towards Halliburton as probably the most impressive rookie I've seen so far. Yeah, I, I just uh, looked at my phone and saw a highlight of Lamelo Ball tying his sneakers. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vincent, what are, what uh, what rookie performances uh, have impressed you? I think I'm just going to be one of those is going to be like following the crowd in the sense of Lamelo Ball because uh, I saw like a, I saw I don't know if you ever hear but watch these guys called RDC World. Oh, they, yeah. they did the, this skit about Lamelo Ball about how every single time he just passes to someone, even yeah. that person might have a great three point shot or even a dunk. <laughs> it's all focused on Lamelo Ball. Like, what a pass! What a yeah. pass from Lamelo Ball! Like, but Lamelo Ball, you can't deny this guy is special. He is really, really talented. Uh, he, I personally think he, the way the media's going, the way it's all going, it looks like he's got a high chance of winning the Rookie of the Year. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton is very, is a very good player right now, and he is playing for. Uh, he is, as Jared says, uh, NBA ready. But what Lamelo Ball is doing for me personally, I think once the Hornets start actually starting him, because I feel like maybe he needs to get an opportunity to maybe start starting, and I think once he gets that. He might have an opportunity to actually have a good little run in the team, and he could be a very because he's a great passer of the ball. I think he's better than Lonzo. He's a great passer of the ball, and like, I feel like I'm I'm, I'm like Lavar Ball right now. The praise. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> uh, 
I feel like he should be starting and I think he's got potential to be a great player. But for me, so far, the one that shines for me is Lamella Ball. I think he is really, really, he's no joke. He is the real deal as well. So he just he just needs to get, he just needs to start starting, that personally thing. Once he starts starting for the Hornets, we could see something special from the guy. Got to give a bit of love to uh, Peyton Pritchard as well for the Seas. Uh, Absolutely, he's, man. He's, he's performed pretty well, I don't think. I, I just... Further to what Theo was saying earlier, some of the, the consistency in the top picks. I don't think anyone expected Pritchard to be to be playing as many minutes. Obviously, the the COVID protocols and everything doesn't help, but you must yeah. you must be happy with him, Kendall. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing a lot. Certainly, with Peyton Pritchard, uh, one of the things that we've noticed over the years, really, with a lot of rookies, is that the older prospects tend to do a little better. So he did four years of college at Oregon. And so he's coming. He's just the same age as Jason Tatum, which, wow. you know, is a good thing and a bad thing. But uh, he's certainly NBA ready. Um, but we've seen Emmanuel quickly as an, an older prospect. Uh, Halliburton, an older prospect. Uh, and those guys have done well as well. Um, Tyree. Deshaun Tate. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. 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 Deshaun Tate. Uh, certainly another guy older, much older uh, coming out of Ohio State. But. Yeah, the uh, this has been a very a very good rookie class, a little better than I expected. Um, yeah, I think the one guy, Kendall, we got to mention as well is uh, Tyrese Maxey with the Sixers. Yeah, Maxey. Um, you know, another guy. You know, I don't know. Again, I know you guys are not as familiar with the college game, but one thing we've seen, we've talked about on our pod a bunch of times, is the Kentucky guys sometimes are the hardest guys to really evaluate because yeah. the way their coach John Calipari coaches them is he wants them to one uh, figure out an NBA role that he can fit on his team because he thinks that'll help them in the NBA level. And in many ways, what happens is guys end up kind of not showing all they can do. And I think what we've seen from Maxi is, and quickly is way more ability to play the point, um, way more craftiness than we're allowed to show. I mean, quickly at, with the, with the, with Kentucky was a shooting guard. I mean, he was just a guy who came in and he was trying to make threes and, and, and he was very good at it. But, you know, there isn't much of a market for 6'2 shooting guards. So, a lot of Knicks fans, when he got drafted, there was a lot of concern saying the team needs a point guard badly. We didn't take one in the first pick. We're taking a guy now who, yes, out of high school he was a point guard, but he hasn't played point guard in two seasons. But what we've seen, whether it be Devin Booker or whether it be uh, Tyler Hero, is that sometimes these Kentucky kids, they got way more game than they're even allowed to show at UK. But because Cal Perry's focused on everybody getting their all their shine, in order to, you know, showcase themselves for the NBA, sometimes you have guys come in and look way different. I mean, I remember, you know, me and Kendall had, like, vicious, not vicious, but, like, very intense arguments about Carnacy Towns and Jaleel Okafor. I think we both uh, preferred Okafor, but none of us knew Carnacy Towns could shoot threes the way he did in his rookie year. Like, like that's yeah. something he didn't do at Kentucky because at the time, Cal said, you need to be able to play in the post consistently. And while I know you can shoot threes, we have other guys on this team that can shoot threes better than you, like Devin Booker who was not allowed to dribble or play point or show any of his, you know, you know, on-ball ability, iso ability, because they were like, we have other guys that I need to be able to do that with. So um, so I think with Maxi and Quickly, those are two guys that, you know, sometimes it's like the – they went to a great school because of the prestige and they didn't end up getting drafted in the first round. But sometimes, like, uh, you don't end up getting a great look at who they are in those 20, 30 games in college because they're just playing a role that's so different than what they'll do in the NBA. Um, I think Lou Williams was uh was felt disrespected by your there's no market for a six two shooting guard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just think just before we move on, sorry, I just think it's interesting that 
in that conversation about rookies, none of us mentioned the number one pick, Anthony Edwards. Um, <laughs> or the number two pick. I mean, to be fair, Wiseman has been has been very good, um, yeah. but he's he, he's just so so raw, isn't he? So young. There's there's, yeah. there's more than he's to be Green man coaching him up. Yeah. Feel good, feel good clips them, aren't they? But yeah, uh, Edwards bit disappointing, but there we go. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna be a uh, I think it's gonna be a little bit of an adjustment period for Edwards. I think Edwards and, and Wiseman in some ways are kind of like kindred spirits in that they're both like um, they all the like the tools are there for them to be great. And I just think it's a lot of it's gonna be just like seasoning and kind of getting used to the speed and the familiarity of the game. Um, Wiseman, I think, being seven feet tall, is able to kind of like just like just kind of bowl his way through some of the, like the the growing pains where Edwards. You know he's a guard, so I think it's become a little bit more of a learning curve. I don't, I'm not concerned about Edwards, but yeah, I would say definitely a little disappointing. And he went to kind of a weird team because you got you come to a team mm. as the number one pick, and then you know you have two All Star caliber players on your team. That that kind of like it, in their finding prime. your role, yeah, in their primes, yeah, fi- finding your role on that kind of squad is different. Most number one picks come in, they're getting all the shots, and they're they're going to be top guys on their team, and he's kind of had to take a step back. Um, I do want to ask you guys about, you know, we mentioned, I mentioned Maxi just now. I wanted to mention, you know, two teams that have been red hot. And they are teams that I think, they, again, these teams I think also have kind of been kindred spirits in the sense that, uh, you know, there wasn't much belief as to how deep they could really go into the postseason coming into this year, even though they've been perennial playoff contenders. That's been the Utah Jazz and the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, they both, too, have been the hottest teams in the NBA. The, the Sixers are first in the East, the Jazz are uh, second in the West. They're right, right there with the Lakers and the Clippers, which has been, I think, a surprise for a lot of people. We had that like viral, very weird interview with Shaq saying that you know that Donovan Mitchell wasn't good enough to win, which is kind of weird. But um, but nonetheless, I wanted to get you guys thoughts on um, you know, which of these hot stars do you believe in more, uh, transcending to possible postseason success? For me, it would have to be the 76ers. Like, don't get me wrong, what the Utah Jazz are doing is, is brilliant. Like I was saying, we'll talk about this literally in the pod last night. And what the Utah Jazz are doing at the moment is brilliant. They've not lost in such a long time. But I feel like the 76ers, how Joel Embiid is playing right now, he seems like he's stepping up. He's really, truly stepping up. Uh, me and Theo last year, we were kind of slating Joel Embiid. We were like, he's got a bit of an attitude problem. He needs to work on it. He, he, he comes across kind of like selfish. But he seems to have taken on that responsibility as the main guy. He now. heard us. He heard us. <laughs> he he he's been listening to our pod. But he's taken on that responsibility now. He's saying, like, look, I am the main I, I I I need to step up now. And now, like him and Simmons, they I think they need to find that common ground with each other who is the main man of this team. And I think they've realized maybe it's Embiid. Like, Simmons is no joke as well. I keep saying a lot of peers are not a joke, but Simmons is the real deal himself. But it's about kind of saying, like, Joel Embiid at the moment is realising, look, I am the main guy. I have to take on that responsibility. So I feel like they could be pushing for that number one spot. Uh, post-playoffs, post post the league, I don't know how far they can get. It's all about how the team gels, how Doc can get them. They've got a good coach right now. I know Jared doesn't view... I don't know if you... Am I right, Jared? You don't view Doc Rivers as a great coach. But, but okay, maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe, but I personally view Dot Rivers as a very good coach. He's going to find a good common ground with 
Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. He's got a good core group of players a lot alongside them. You've got your your Shape Miltons, you've got your uh, Curry, who 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 Theo thinks he's a better shooter. No, did you say better shooter than statistically uh, uh, he is a better scorer than Steph. He, he thinks he's he's a better scorer than his brother Steph, but statistically you got players that curry. So it's just about can they find that gel and work about it and see if they can potentially they could they could be a, a trouble in the East. They could potentially have a decent run. But the Jazz like I feel like I'm disrespecting them like a lot of people do. And maybe this is me sleeping on the jazz like I normally do. That, in a sense of you kind of think, oh, it's the Utah Jazz. How far will they get? But that's just showing disrespect. Like I'm doing, like, like I'm being like Shaq right now. I'm <laughs> showing disrespect despite the book. That's the whole concept. It's the Utah Jazz, and that's why I feel like maybe they can't go any further. But please, I hope they prove me wrong. I hope they prove everyone wrong. They deserve it. Donovan Mitchell deserves it. Yeah, we had a bit of a thing, didn't we, um, last season, coming into the playoffs in the bubble. Vinny and I, Jared a little bit, but not so much. We sort of disrespected the playoff series between the Jazz and the Nuggets, and we just couldn't understand it. Like, why? It just Vinny, why are you shaking your head? I'm I mean, sorry. To, to, to be honest, it was sorry. more me, me and exactly. you. Exactly. I was going to say, was that it? was Jared. Jared was the worst of us. He kept saying, like, this was a pointless one. It was Jared who was saying this. Yeah. I watched the game. I was like, I, I, you didn't I was watch like, the game. I'm not having that. I don't know. But okay. Uh, anyway, anyway, we were a little bit disrespectful, saying it's not the most, it's probably the least exciting of all the playoff, playoff matchups. And in the end, it proved us all wrong. And it was a fantastic series that, that we missed out on because it, it got, I think it got to like five games in. And I still hadn't seen any of it. And like, <laughs> just, it did not, did not interest me at all. And I think the, the yeah. Jazz, we, yeah, un, underrated I think in a, in a lot of cases even now being in the position that they're in the league they're still being underrated this, they're proving that they can do it with a degree of consistency in the regular season um, how that translates into the, the postseason that's where it's, it's really going to matter I think long term the 76ers have, have probably have got the, the, the leg up on them with regards to who's going to have more success I rated the 76ers very highly coming into the season. Um, I thought they'd, I had them around second, finishing second in the East. Actually ahead of the Nets, believe it or not. Um, because I think the, the additions that they made in the off-season were, were really solid. Bringing in Seth Curry. My, yes, I, I would say, no, he's not my favourite of the Curry brothers, but I do rate him very highly. I'm a big, big Seth Curry fan. Um, Dwight Howard, obviously a huge addition. Danny Green's a little bit hit and miss, but he's he's a he's got championship blood, like he's of that caliber player, absolutely. So I think they've made really key additions surrounding Embiid and Simmons with players who can shoot the ball, which is what they they, they really needed to do. They've got they're a solid defensive unit. Simmons probably in the conversation for best best not only best guard defender, he can guard one through five quite comfortably. Um, Embiid is just a monster. So I think they they've got the right build and it seems like Doc's got them clicking um, but I think even even though I rated them as highly as I did coming into the season they've still surprised me so I, I, I reckon that they'll probably cause a lot of problems even going into the postseason the 76ers for me yeah unfortunately it's a, it's, it's a clean sweep full house um, I'm going to agree with the boys here I think I think Philly have got the, the better sort of chance to sustain uh, what they've started off doing uh, Philly are a problem for the Nets, I think I think they're probably the the hardest matchup for the Nets in the playoffs, just purely because 
they have the defenders that they can put on the three superstars and the Nets can't guard anyone. So it, it'd be a really interesting matchup. At this stage, we should say the Nets struggle to guard some of the elite players in the league. Um, so it'd be really interesting if we did get that as a playoff matchup. Um, Utah on an eight-game winning streak, gone from four and four to now twelve and four. But still, I don't think I don't think any any basketball fan in the right mind would say, yeah, I could see them beating the Lakers or the Clippers in a conference finals. You know, it's there's just that one that one to me that one wing scorer missing for for the Utah Jazz um that that would be the type of player that they, that would maybe tip them over the edge but as currently constructed I think yeah uh, Philadelphia are probably going to sustain their hot start yeah yeah I mean I I think you got hit the nail on the head I think the Western Conference is is just so much tougher uh than the East um and that's be that's going to be the uh the real challenge I think for for Utah um, I did want to ask you guys, you guys talked a lot about uh, European uh, football or soccer, as we call it in America. Um, if there was one thing about European, European football that you guys could bring to the NBA, what would it be? One rule, it could be re- relegation, it could be um, no was, salary cap, no draft. I was more, I was more inclined in what? the NBA could bring to the European game for me personally. Like I think the concept of all-star is absolutely brilliant. Mm. I feel like if there was an all-star uh, soccer team where basically where you get the best of all the European team, the best European players in one yeah. game together, compete against each other. I think that's pretty amazing. Uh, the players association where a player is in charge of the organization of a group of players who makes decisions on behalf of the players. I think that's a brilliant thing that their football can look the, at. Doing. The salary cap, the salary cap is the probably the best thing that could happen to, to European sports because there is right. such a such a disparity between the top levels and the 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 rest of the the football as a whole that yeah. a, a team can be promoted into the top division and they'll never have a chance of winning it because they just they can't afford to get anywhere close to the salary that the big teams can offer. Right. Salary cap is an equaliser for all of that. I think that's a, probably the one thing that that football as a whole needs is but it would I, I can't see it ever happening to be honest, but it'd be brilliant. Yeah, I reckon there probably is more that you could apply to in basketball really. Yeah. yeah. I've got I, I personally think there's a lot of things that we could take from them. Yeah, I've got one that maybe would be cool to see in the NBA. Um and I know they've kind of been talking about doing it some kind of like other tournament, mid-season tournament. Um, obviously, they've, they've done the play-in tournament now, which w- was very successful in the bubble. Uh, that's sort of an, an interesting wrinkle. That's kind of, in a way, copying sort of the football playoffs in like the football league. It's, it's a similar kind of idea. Um, but I just think it'd be difficult. The, the difficulty in the NBA is who cares about winning the David Stern Cup or whatever it's called. You're going to want to win so the NBA championship. Explain- Explain to uh, Americans who don't follow soccer why, like, what's the big deal about the FA Cup, you know, for, for, for British fans? Why would NBA fans want to care about that? It's really difficult. And sorry, Vincent, I know you're, you, you're the, the football diehard amongst <laughs> us, but I'm going to jump in on this one. The, the difficulty you've got is that the, the prestige that comes with winning the FA Cup is almost entirely historical. Like, in the, if you were to introduce a new, a new cup now, it wouldn't mean anything. Like, but the FA Cup is like it's historic. It's such a, a prestigious award because of the history behind it. 
I don't think you can replicate that by just introducing a new competition. It wouldn't it wouldn't have anywhere near the kind of esteem that, that the FA Cup does. Vinny, I don't know what, what you were going to say. I think what with soccer, what's, what's more important for it is winning trophies. Like, you want to go out and say that like, we've won a trophy. Like, you can say, like, oh, we won at least something. We won a trophy. So, with soccer, we have the, it's called the League Cup. You got the FA Cup and then the title. And then you got the Champions League. Those are like four trophies you could win potentially as, as a team. What NBA could maybe, I think we've touched on it before in the pod, Jared said it before about having a little thing. But if they were to make it a selling point where it could, let's say, if you win this, you get a couple of picks. You could have a couple of picks potentially. Or if you win that cup, it would make these players more excited to win it because you know how they've made the all-star game more exciting now. Like, it's become more competitive now, the all-star, mm. because a couple of years, it started not being as fun anymore. The players weren't yeah. taking it seriously, but now it's become competitive again. you got your team, LeBron, your team, Yanis, and it's become like they want to win that, um, that, that, that tour, the, the game. It's become more of that. So with soccer, the, what's exciting for us winning the FA Cup as a team, yes, you want to win the league, but the lower teams... They will go for that more because they know they've got an opportunity maybe to win that. They know they might not have the chance to win the league. So like NBA, some teams like the Kings, no offence to any Kings fans out there, but they know they've got no chance of winning the the chip. But if they know that they could win a, a cup, like this cup could get them a couple of picks or potentially like a, something nice for them to for their fans to have a little tour. It's a massive selling point, and that's what the FA Cup can give to lower league te- lower side teams. But yeah. even the big teams still want to win it as well. Even the big yeah. teams still want to win the FA Cup. But the lower side teams, they will put all their eggs in baskets to get that tournament, so then their fans can go out and have a nice parade outside. Obviously, before lockdown and COVID, mm-hmm. everyone you, you'd get thousands. Even the local team where we live, it's like a little local team winning the trophy is a big deal when the streets will be covered. So it. That's the selling point, and maybe the NBA could look at maybe saying, "Look, let's bring on a a, a tournament mid-season for players to compete for it." But they have to make sure the big team, the big players like the LeBrons, the ADs, the Yanises, get excited to win that tournament as well. And I think just just further to what Theo was saying about the history of the FA Cup, it's not just necessarily winning it. Um, the the third round of the FA Cup takes place every January. Um, and there's been throughout football history, there's been some incredible upsets in that round, like, you know, the champions of England, the best team in England getting beat by, you know, a, a part time team almost. It, and it's similar to, I guess, in a way, maybe March Madness, like right. a lowest, a lower seed having an incredible a credible run through through the tournament and getting all the way to the Elite Eight or the Final Four or whatever. There's been some incredible moments and and them kind of them games where there is that big upset generates so much income for for the part-time teams, for the semi-professional teams. I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure if this is still the case, but I'm pretty sure anyone can enter the FA Cup. If you've got a football team, you can enter the FA Cup. Yeah. Now, obviously, as a part-time team, you're going to have to go through so many preliminary rounds that it's unlikely you're ever going to beat Chelsea in the third round or Manchester City right. or whatever. But it's just that that moment of the third round is like a real... Everyone looks forward to that if you're a football fan in the UK um, as as a potential upsets could be on the cards. And one so of the we, all, we, we all know that... Uh, uh, what's it called? Silver, he listens to New Generation Media, so we know that he's going to be on this completely, and he he's going to be thinking about this. Uh, uh hi there, hi there. <laughs> yeah, 
And one of the things that's funny, um, in terms of like that in season tournament, you know, I'll say this: I, I thought the Orlando bubble was gonna be way more of a, like a disaster than it was. It, it was actually great. Um, I just figured there'd be a lot more COVID cases. I, I was worried that we'd have stars possibly, you know, not playing in big playoff games. And thankfully, we didn't get that. I think we ended up getting a very legitimate playoffs and champion. But before that, when it was very uncertain what it was going to be, my uh, my suggestion was I thought that they should do away with, like, the NBA playoffs and have whatever the championship would be for the bubble be the inaugural David Stern tournament and then bring that into, like, the regular season for, like, successful just successive seasons. Obviously, um, I'm glad they didn't do that because we ended up getting a really great playoffs and a great championship. But I feel like if there was a way to do that, it may have to be something that's maybe first introduced in the postseason. Uh, maybe you do it with the lottery teams or maybe you do it with something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, you know, and then once you kind of build that tradition um, uh, that Theo was suggesting, maybe at that point then it could become something that's in season and people uh, clamor for. One last thing I did want to uh, talk about in terms of the UK NBA kind of like relationship is, you know, Adam Silver recently said that, uh, you know, before, when it came to expansion, he said that's not something we're thinking about. Now he's saying, well, I'm not saying we're not thinking about it. Uh, so it seems like he's more open to it. And, of course, whenever we talk about expansion, like a, a team being in the U.K. is something that does get brought up. I think right now, you know, Seattle and Las Vegas seem to have more preference. But you know, NBA has talked for a long time about having a team uh, in the U.K. What do you guys think about that do you think it would work and, and do you think that there are fans in 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 the uk that would like really embrace having an nba team well i'm just going to come straight in and say that uh, myself and theo were part of uh, a basketball team in a in a league the bbbs we were absolutely lethal if the nba wants a representative from the northwest of england we are ready sign us up we could get all <laughs> our guys in Vinny could be the coach slash part-time player, whatever he fancies, you know, it depends how he's recovering from his, uh, what's going down at the moment for him. Um, yeah, we're ready. Give us a shout. We're here. Yeah. Go, oh, okay. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know how would that even work. I really don't even know how the logistics of it would work. Like, I am all about, like, trying to incorporate uh, the league to England because I think it's a massive selling point. I think it's a massive growing market for a lot of people. I, I personally think it's one of those situations where it'd be very, very hard for the logistics, but it'd be better if there was... They, they, they're doing it now already where teams get to play in England and uh, opportunities where they... And I think if that was more regularly, where a couple of games and throughout the season could be pulled in England, it'd be a great idea. But I think the logistics of having a, a team here based in England... But playing for the NBA might be very difficult because we've already got our own league in this country. Uh, right. we've, it, 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 it is a decent league. Obviously, they're, they're doing their thing. Uh, some players have come from the NBA to the things to the to the uh, English league. So it, we've got our own league, but it's just gonna be. I think the, the logistics of having an NBA team based here but play in the league as well might be a bit difficult. I don't know. I think it would be amazing. And and from a practical standpoint, I mean, how long does it take to fly from, I don't know, like Philadelphia to L.A.? Like five hours, six hours, something like that? Uh, I think about, yeah, about four, four or five hours, yeah. Okay, so you can, you can fly from, you could fly from England to the East Coast in, that's like a five-hour flight. So it's not, logistically, it's not impossible, but obviously if you're going to the, 
It's the West, the Western Conference would just would just foul everything up because then you're starting looking at like 11, 12 hour flights for. It, they'd have to have really long, lengthy road trips. To be honest, it would probably yeah. be the the biggest issue would really probably be the the home games, wouldn't it? Flying teams over for you'd have probably have to do it in series, is two or three game series. It, probably not unless or oh, unless you fly a couple of teams over and then they play games while they're over here anyway and then just do like a mini bubble thing that could work oh adam silver hit me up hit me up yeah, yeah. No, I, i'm here for it i'm down for it there's a there's yeah there's a lot of talent over here yeah sure. jared mentioned it quite readily um <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i, I think I'm, that you know i've always kind of thought about how they would do it i feel like you probably have to um I think that, you know, the homestand would have to be very long, I think, for the U.K. team. I think they would have to probably go on pretty long road trips to make it work. Uh, I agree, definitely, you have to do, you know, series. You know, I think everybody in your division, I think when they come over, they should play their, their two or three, their two games that they have to play, and that would be their, their only trip. Um, I, I've always won. I've always, like, I'm, I'm, I'm so against expansion because I just know that it kind of technically waters down the league um, just from a historical standpoint. But I've always been intrigued about how they would do the UK thing. I, I'd want to see it done. Like, they talked about it with the NFL. They talked about the NBA. It's like, is it going to be very difficult? Yes. But, like, it's just for the marvel of it. I want to see if they can make it work. Um, they made Canada work. At least in one of the cities they tried. They, they made it work. And, you know, I want to see if they are able to do that um, for the UK. I was, sorry, I was going to say, AJ, you know, before you asked the question about what would I... I've actually thought of something. Sorry, as you were saying that, yeah. I've thought about something. What would I bring maybe to the to the NBA? Yeah. I think what the English League football has is a thing called relegation. Yes. So really a team, need. basically a team who if they're not if they're not underperforming, they get relegated from the division. They become the second. Theo knows team. all about that one, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> Theo's well. home team as well. They've been struggling for quite Wait, a long which time. Which team is Theo root for? I've, I've heard about the team. They're called all, the Bolton Wanderers. Oh, yeah, that's, have you uh, ever heard of him? Ever yeah, that's, no. uh, are they even in the EPL anymore? Or are they, exactly, uh, they got re- they got relegated yeah. recently. Exactly, they, relegated. they got three times, mate. Three times they've got yeah. relegated in the fourth that tier of English football. They got re- no, so if there was an opportunity, I don't know because I don't really get why they don't have it for the NBA. Because maybe I don't know the logistics of it, but it's like you got you you're, you're miles bigger of a country than us. England right. is a little tiny country, so. If little every single town had their own team, I don't see why not they could have a massive. Yeah, league I mean they have where... the G League. Yeah, they have the G League. They mm-hmm. could have it where if you if you're the it, it would prevent tanking. You know, there'd exactly. be no more tanking. That's what I mean. And then the bottom team would go to the G League, and the G League champion would be brought exactly. into the NBA. It the, gives I guess them the problem is that the owners would never want that because then yeah, like, the owner and that's the difference as well yeah, because they, you guys now your, your team's your team's done. Yeah, your owners, uh, the owners of the NBA really take charge of everything. They make the decisions. Like Adam Silver may be the commissioner, but the owners are the ones who are in charge. <laughs> yeah. But in a, in a sense of football, the owners are in charge of their team. But the FA is called the Football Association or FIFA, the board. They're the ones who are in charge of these teams. Like You are part of their organization, so you choose how you want. You make all your team but you follow our rules. But maybe yeah. in NBA, it's a bit different. The owners have their own kind. They dictate what happens. Adam yeah. Silver is more like works for them. Yeah, in many ways, I feel like uh, the NBA is bigger than FIBA, whereas yeah. in, in, in the UK or European sports um, or European soccer, 
the individual leagues aren't necessarily bigger than FIFA, obviously. So that's mm-hmm. like I think that what kind of stops that. That's kind a of good way happening. to look at it. Yeah. Um, I think part of the part of the problem with relegation as well, I think, would probably be the disparity between the standard of basketball in the G League and yeah. <laughs> probably the NBA. I reckon even the, the Timberwolves would probably beat any of the any team in the G League over it. Probably in four, in a four game series, realistically, <laughs> wouldn't they? Yeah. So I don't. There'd be a little bit of work to do around that as well. I think. Yeah, man. Well, it's been it's been great having you guys. One last thing before I, I let you guys go is, you know, obviously if you're on this channel, um, if you listen to this podcast, we not, we not only do hoop stuff and sports stuff. We're very big on superheroes. We're really big on Star Wars. So I want to get each of you guys um, the floor on if it you know one superhero or Star Wars movie that is personally. Uh, no, fond of you guys and, and like a, a movie that you really like and just like why like what would be your favorite i'll go first because mine's probably the most controversial um <laughs> I, I i love all like sort of superhero films love star wars i'm not the most knowledgeable but i enjoy i enjoy the experience of watching them um so my one of my favorite star wars films probably my second or third favorite star wars film uh, is the phantom menace which to a lot of people to say something Ooh, like wow. that is, is Absolute heresy. <laughs> Phantom Menace. EJ went, wow. Exactly. I mean, you're probably going to kick me off the Skype call, and I don't blame you. Um, no, but to explain, okay. the, I explain the reason why for that, um, that was the first ever Star Wars film I watched. That was the film I watched when I was growing up as a kid. Um, so I, I just looked, I was enthralled by it as, as a little boy kind of thing. So to me, to then go back to the originals where it was all... Was, yeah, oh yeah. That, that was more boring to me it, when it I. It funny. It's funny. Uh, you know, I host a po- I host a Star Wars podcast with our other brother, uh, Shamari, and he's a huge prequels fan. Uh, okay. And it's the same reason. He's like the it's, yeah. the action is so much better in the prequels than it is in the original. So yeah, funny so, that you mentioned. So that's me. There you go. <laughs> well, what go you, yeah, what, yeah. What about you? Um, me personally, I, I'm a massive. I, I love Marvel. I love DC. I love every kind of movie. But I'm proper into my DC at the moment. I feel like DC, personally, for me, do better movies than Marvel. Uh, my two favorite movies are Man of Steel the, and also Aquaman. Uh, Aquaman, I was pleasantly surprised by Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, I thought, oh my days, another movie about a fish boy. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, that's why I truly thought, like, a fish man or whatever. It, for me, yeah, Aquaman was such a great movie. I used to watch the Justice League TV show when I was a kid, so just to see it actually come to life was just absolutely brilliant, and I thought it was a great movie. Uh, to One of the best movies I've seen in a long time, Aquaman. I even went to watch it again. A big disappointment for me, though, was the new Wonder Woman. That was a very disappointing movie for me. We'll get us started on that. Yeah. I, I was like, Gal Gadot, I'm, I'm in love with that lady, but that movie was terrible. I'm sorry. It's got a pulse. That'll do for you, won't it? The honestly, honestly, it was a terrible movie in that context. But the first one was brilliant. Wonder Woman first one was good, but the second one, terrible. But yeah, Aquaman all day long was a great I, movie and Man of Steel. I feel like Kendall, um, you know, Shamar is really missing here because, you know, we got... You know, Zack Snyder love with Man of Steel. You got prequel love with uh, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, Shamar, you guys will love Shamar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, you got, I can't wait time. for the director's cuts as well. I can't wait for the director's cut. Yeah, Zack Snyder's honestly. Yeah. Uh, what about what about you, Theo? So I am a very big Marvel sort of fanboy. Um, I stand hard for Marvel. Like 
I think the Marvel universe is just oh, it's just perfect, isn't it? Like I don't think there's been a genuinely bad film. There's been some that have not been great, but I'd struggle to pick a bad Civil film. War. You like some? You like you like Civil War, Vince? Oh my God! Uh, we're gonna have that. We're gonna have that if conversation. I'm sorry. Everything you need to know about Vince. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. Civil War. I fell asleep watching Civil War. I'm sorry. Oh my God! Yeah, we're gonna have to table that conversation for another time. But uh, yeah, where is exactly. where is um, it, uh, Theo? So bearing in mind, my absolute love for um, all things Marvel, like Spider-Man was always my favorite. I adored Spider-Man as a kid. We've had some really great iterations of the Spider-Man movie. Um, Tom Holland is such a phenomenal, I think, Spider-Man from Peter Parker right through to Spidey. Really, really good. All that said, my all-time favorite superhero film is Dark Knight. It's, it's got to be like I think it was such a revolutionary film for for what it did. I mean, it really brought so much attention back to the genre of, of superheroes, um, and it was just so different. Like it was, it, it really encapsulates what makes Batman as so good. Like the the dark, gritty. Like he's not just a, a cheesy superhero. He's not like Iron Man, like a Marvel billionaire hero. He's like a such a down to earth. Like you could almost imagine it happening in the gritty streets of, of I don't know, Briarfield. Detroit, something like that. Briarfield. Um, yeah, so The Dark Knight was just everything about it. I, I, I gush a little bit about The Dark Knight. Um, and and um, Heath Ledger was just a fun, like, probably one of the best performances in the 20th, 21st century. Like, so good. Top to bottom, Dark Knight just blows me away. Even now, even listening, like yeah. when I go back, but go back and watch it now. Just that that opening score, like when they, they do the bank job, just oh, goosebumps. Oh, yeah, <laughs> TDK. Yeah, no, I mean I love the Dark Knight as well. This, I know, I find I haven't, I haven't actually recently asked myself, or nobody's asked me, what's my favorite superhero movie. But for a long time, it was the Dark Knight. I mean, I think I think you know, Endgame and Infinity War certainly kind of muddy the waters for me a little bit in terms of what's my favorite, but. Um, yeah, that's just uh, to me a masterpiece when it comes to uh, what made those movies film, great for me personally making. with Thanos. That, that's what Vince, made that you're movie. not you're not allowed to like Infinity War, and, and if you if you're not if you can't love me at my Civil War, <laughs> I'm just trying to say like Marvel got to a point. Look, we'll, we'll, we can talk about this forever, EJ Kendall. I don't know about these two. I'm a bit, I love my movies, super movies. I watch them all yeah. the time. But with Marvel, for me, it got to a point where it became very tedious. It just became very tedious. Like, mm. I'm hoping the next generation of Marvel movies look, gr- look great. It's like, I'm looking forward to The Eternals. That's one thing I'm proper looking forward to. It's going to be potentially a great one, that one. But it just got to a point where it became very tedious. And it's like, ah. But Thanos, for me, was one of the best villains ever. I actually was rooting for Thanos. I was one of the few people yeah. rooting for Thanos. So, <laughs> Thanos yeah. did nothing wrong. Honestly, Thanos... <laughs> He made sense. He was ne- he, all he was doing was trying to correct the world. But yeah, I love Thanos anyway. Oh, wow. Yeah, in some ways, in some ways, it feels like we're living in a post uh, snap world. Uh, <laughs> He's not the truth. Um, but uh, Jared, Vince, Theo, I cannot thank you guys enough for coming on to the podcast. Can I just, I've yeah. just got one question for you yeah. two before we go. It's yeah. it's a it's a it's a big decision I've got to make to be honest with regards to my fantasy team, my fantasy basketball team. Okay. Um, Jason Tatum's been stashed in an injury list spot for, for a couple of weeks now. He's back tonight, and I need to drop a guard. So who do I drop? Um, Monty Morris, um, Darius Garland, or Cole Anthony? Uh, I, I'm, 
I'm leaning. I'm, I'm leaning. leaning Morris. You're leaning Morris. I'm, okay. I'm leaning. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'm leaning Garland. Garland. I'm leaning Garland. Leaning Garland. Yeah. See, so this is the issue. Garland struggles since he's come back, but he's, you know, the most solid sort of fantasy player. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough, man. I've got to make a decision in the next couple of hours. <laughs> there's some. There's some trades that I'm going to be flinging out. Theo, Vinny, keep your eyes on your trading box. It's, <laughs> it's, it's big stuff. It's big stuff. I need to win this week. I've lost like three in a row. So here we go. Thanks, boys. Thank you. <laughs> no doubt. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on the pod. Um, we definitely got to do this again. And this is like the first of our kind of a home and home series. Um, so, if you, so if you guys, uh, you know, check out the Met the Criteria podcast, which I got to say, uh, one of the things that, like, you know, brought me to your podcast also was I, I love the name of the podcast. I, I love that. Like that, that video and that, that like meme of Isaiah Thomas, especially, you know, someone with a, a complicated relationship with Isaiah Thomas being a Knicks fan is just like one of my favorite things on the internet. So like when I saw the name of the podcast, I was like, Oh my God, this is the best, best <laughs> name for a basketball podcast. It, and then the, the intro is, the intro is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, intro it, with the, with the meme, it's it works so perfect. Um, so yeah, make sure Shit. you guys, uh, check out their pod again, uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, anchor film, F- anchor FM, Google play, any, Pretty much everywhere you guys can find them. Again, Met the Criteria podcast. Um, we'll be on there soon uh, to do our second half of the home and home. So that'll be really exciting. But uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, thank you guys so much for checking us out on the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, New Generation uh, Media. Make sure you follow us uh, at our podcast as well, New Generation Podcast Network. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And, um, and yeah, that's going to be it now. For thank you guys so much for checking us out. For Kendall, for uh, all the guys on the Met the Criteria podcast, I'm EJ. Take it easy, y'all. Peace.